Hey everyone, before we start this amazing episode of the Cosmic Matrix podcast with my very special guest, Paul Levy, where we dive deep into the topic of Wetiko, I just want to make a quick announcement. We have another round coming up of our private group coaching program, Time of Transition Embodied Soul Awakening, starting August 23rd until November 2nd. Laura and I will be taking a group of 25 people on a 10-week journey where we dive deeper into the necessary inner work and outer work to do in this day and age because there is an awakening happening. You can see it these intense times, but we need to step up to the plate, right? So we align more to who we truly are, our essence and our deeper soul purpose for being here. Um, so this course really consists of the necessary inner work based on the fourfold approach of holistic self-work, working on all levels, physical, emotional, psychological, intellectual, and spiritual in context of what's happening in the world, right? The anti-divine forces and the matrix. We'd look deeper into fringe and occult knowledge, spiritual warriorship, universal laws, reality creation, soul resonance, evolutionary relationships, and all of that. And we'll give you guys a lot of practical material practices, exercises to do the necessary inner work, somatic work, shadow work, trauma work, and all of that. So you really come in alignment with who we truly are and step up to the spiritual warriors we're called to be during this day and age. So if you're interested, go to my website, veilofreality.com under courses, and you can find out more about it. And if you feel called, Simply fill out the application and we'll get back to you with more information. With that being said, enjoy my interview with Paul Levy. All right. Uh, welcome, everyone, to new up, to this new episode of the Cosmic Matrix podcast with your host, Bernard Gunther. And I'm a very special returning guest to this podcast. And he has been on the podcast two years ago. And uh, I've, um, you know, promoted his work all over. It's one of the most important uh, topics in this day and age. And I'm very looking forward to go deeper and catch up with Paul Levy. Welcome to the podcast, Paul. Hi, yeah, I'm just so happy to be here. Thank you. Excellent. Just I want to you know, let people know, because I would hope and assume that most people who have followed my work are aware of with your work and hope more and more people are becoming aware of your work. But just in a nutshell, um, Paul Levy is the author of Dispelling Wetiko, Breaking the Curse of Evil, and another book, The Quantum Revelation, A Radical Synthesis of Science and Spirituality, and the third one, Awakened by Darkness, When Evil Becomes Your Father. And he just finished editing uh, his upcoming book, which will be released later this year. And it's a follow-up to the Wetiko book called Wetiko Healing the Mind Virus that Plagues Our World. And that's really, really what we want to deep dive deeper into. And Paul is also the founder of the Awaken in the Dream community in Portland, Oregon. He's an artist and he's deeply steeped in the work of Carl Gustav Jung and has been a Tibet, Tibetan Buddhist practitioner for over 30 years. His website is awakenindedream.com. So, and I also want to thank you so much, Paul. A few weeks ago, you already sent me a manuscript of your new upcoming book before even the editing finished. And I dove into it. I read basically halfway through it already. It's a, I'm a, a slow reader, especially when it comes to your book, because there are not many books when I underline a lot. And with your book, I was highlighting, highlighting like, mm -hmm. yes, 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 kind of like, you know, taking it all in and then contemplating it. And I have to say to all viewers out there that, you know, 
I've, many people ask me always what books I recommend and all of that. And my answer usually is, you know, I don't know you. You have to, you know, whatever resonates with you. But your book, especially the first one where Tico, um, this, uh, Despairing the Curse of Evil, has been in my top five ever since you released it. And the same with this book. This is a topic that is... We need, it's a necessity almost of you to become aware of this bigger, this multidimensional perspective of the evil we're dealing with and what we truly can do. And I love how you especially incorporate in um, quantum physics and also Jungian psychology and all of it. So we don't keep just fighting the shadows on the wall, basically, right? Mm -hmm. And I want to open up this conversation or this interview with a quote um, from your upcoming book, which really touched me as well. And it goes where you write about an, an idea that has come to time, so to speak. When the time has come to an idea to come into the world, the idea, the idea which has a life of its own enlists this receptive mind, be it its purveyor. These living ideas can potentially seize people and make use of them to materialize themselves into the stream of human history. Oftentimes, a new idea begins to emerge by informing and giving shape to an unconscious behavior in a group of people. And only much later is it recognized and becomes a conscious conception. In an opposive sense, you know, there can be maybe like bad ideas that can infect humanity through Vetico, but Vetico in itself is an idea uh, that has been, as you can, as you have seen in your own research, woven through various esoteric spiritual traditions. And it's an idea that has time has come, so to speak, which is very, very important to understand and apply. And, um, you know, I'm also very impressed when I read your work. It's like, it's not only your research, but almost you're plugging into dream time. And there's some sort of download happening, I feel, in your work, right? That really like synthesizes it beautiful, bringing it all together. So just to start it off with, for people who are not familiar, you know, with your work with Tico um, uh, just yet, can can we just summarize it? What is Wetiko and how, how do we see it in the world and, and within ourselves? Sure. No, really. Thank you. Um, so the Watiko idea, it's a Native American idea. And, um, and it has to do really, so it's a psycho-spiritual disease of the soul that, that we all have in potential. It pervades the collective unconscious. And um, it's at the root of, um, of all of the madness that we're playing out in, um, you know, in our lives on the world stage. And it's the source of the evil that we're playing out. And, um, and keep in mind, it's not just an abstract idea or a theory or something like that. How I came to this work was this thing, this energy, the, the Watiko, which is like this, this virus of the mind. That's a way to think of it. Like we hear about the coronavirus, well, the Watiko is a virus of the mind. I had a direct encounter with it in my life, you know, in the early 80s. So you know, a long time ago, and it totally, it almost killed me, and it completely destroyed my entire family. I haven't had a family for, for a long time. And um, so it forced me to come to terms with it. And so it's, it's this, this, um, this mind virus whose origin is the human psyche, but it it operates through the unconscious in such a way that we entrance ourselves via the, the way we project. We're, we're always projecting onto the inkblot of the world. What Wajiko does, it exploits our projective tendencies in a way where we literally hypnotize ourselves via our own projections. 
And so the thing about Watiko, you see, it's a quantum phenomenon. And what, what I mean by that is that, so it's the source of the deepest evil. And it also contains its own medicine, mm-hmm. its own healing. But if, so if you don't have the recognition of, of that, of, of that it's actually showing us, in a sense, our own creative power, because it has no creativity. The Watiko bug, see, it's in all the spiritual traditions. They'll talk about, even in, in the apocryphal text of the Bible, they talk about this counterfeiting spirit. And now the counterfeiting spirit, the way they describe it, it's word for word Watiko, but it's interesting. It got edited out of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And I, in my new book, I point out, oh yeah, that's because Watiko was on the editorial board and made sure <laughs> yeah. that you know it wouldn't be exposed because it only has power over us to the extent that we don't see it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it operates through the unconscious, through the part of us that has like blind spots. So it's a form of psychic blindness. What that means is that as long as we are unaware of it, it can manipulate us and in a way control us and have power over us. And so many people are actually unwittingly, um, in a way, these instruments for the Watiko spirit to come through. And they have no idea because it's operating through their unconscious. They're just identified with it. They think it's who we are, that it's who they are. And the whole while, there's some sort of other energy that has, in a way, you know, really taken taken over them in a, in a way that they've become possessed so that they become the vector, they become the instrument which acts it out. Now, the thing about Watiko, it's such, it's a psychedelic um, idea in that, I mean, it's very, it's very activating to the psyche. It's it's because its origin is in the psyche and the means through which we try to understand it is the psyche. But what I mean particularly is that it's an inner disease of the soul that mm-hmm. actually expresses itself through the medium of the outside world. Mm-hmm. So it's as if this inner disease of the soul somehow is able to magically extend itself out into the outer world and configure events in the world so as to express the state of a psyche that's under its thrall. Mm-hmm. Now that's amazing because that what I'm describing is that the outer circumstance in our world is actually reflecting the inner condition of the psyche. Mm -hmm. And what does that remind us of? That's when we have dream at night. Mm -hmm. What is a dream? But it's our inner process that's actually externalized and projected out. And then we don't realize it. And then we actually become entranced by our own psyche thinking we're having, we're experiencing an objective separate universe but it's actually reflecting, it's actually we're inside of our psyche. Yeah. So <clears throat> one of the ways to really to begin to recognize what Tico is to begin to, to see the dreamlike nature. And, um, and that, when we begin to see that, all of a sudden our identity, you see, the thing, if I could just say one more thing about what Tico, because there are so many, I mean, that's why I'm writing book after book yeah. after book about it, because it's so mind-blowing, it's so profound. Yeah. What this counterfeiting spirit does, it impersonates us. It puts us on. So it has no creativity, but it can exploit our, it can plug into our creativity mm-hmm. and turn it against us. Mm-hmm. So it impersonates us and it, it'll offer us this, this version of ourselves, this, 
this limited version of ourselves. Oh, I'm wounded, I'm traumatized, my abuse, whatever. And then if we're not awake in that moment, we then identify with its version of ourselves. So in a way, it, it puts us on. And putting us on has a double meaning, like putting us on like a suit of clothes, but it also, it tricks us, it fools us because it's a trickster. But then as soon as we identify with its version, its smaller, limited version of ourselves, then all of a sudden we're a goner because then we've actually, you see, it can't steal our soul, but it tricks us into giving it away. Yeah. So then we've given away ourselves, we've identified with who we're not, which is, that's a recipe for madness. And then we've fallen under the spell of Watiko. And basically, we've entranced ourselves by the projective tendencies of our own mind. And so that's just a simple thumb, thumbnail sketch <laughs> yeah. of a thing that's so multidimensional right. and so trippy. But I'll, I'll just stop there. No, no, no. Thanks. Yeah. No, but it really like, you know, I want to quote another um, excerpt from your upcoming book. Because it's really so hard to spot, like you said, it's like a counterfeit fit spirit, you know what I mean, in yeah, a yeah, sense. Yeah. So it kind of and uses us in many other ways. It uses our creativity to work through us. And we, you know, people who know familiar of my work know that we are easily, we can be used. As Sri Abundo talked about the occult hostile forces, right? Which you exactly. have a whole chapter as well, the anti-divine forces, right? right? And it can even resemble light, you know, like Satan most often appears as an angel of light, as it's even right. written in the Bible. So it's not this like Hollywood version of like a demon all the time yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know what you wrote here is really fascinating what mirrors what you just said one of the reasons with tico so hard to pin down is that it has multiple channels of operation both covert and overt inner and outer and everywhere in between with tico simultaneously operates interpersonally within our own mind interpersonally through our relationships and transpersonally through the collective world events Each of these, our individual, relational, and collective processes, are inter-nested iterations of a deeper fractal, which is to say that these different dimensions of our experience are actually indivisible, interconnected, and interreflective of each other. All of these multidimensional processes are informed by Wittiko in different yet similar ways. And I think this mm -hmm. is very important to understand, especially in this day and age, which we see now what's happening in the world, like almost very overt uh, evil, you know, and cracking down on us. Um, and it's easy, you know, on some level, we need to stand up against the corruption, speaking out and all of that and some maybe activism. But at the same time, we must not forget this interconnectedness, right? And I think that well, the disease of the psyche, what we're seeing out there, the darkness out uh, externally is also a mirror of our unconscious own inner darkness in the sense, right? And that's where you uh, yeah. also you beautifully tie this whole Wetiko disease into Jungian psychology, right? Yeah, to really yeah, yeah. like what we see right now is like the darkness being made conscious in the outer world because we have ignored it within ourselves. So my question is, you know, you know, the ultimate old question of what is evil <laughs> in yeah, a yeah, sense, yeah. right? And, and its role, because as you explained, there's a certain paradox as all of us have experienced when we really sincerely in this process of awakening, you know, like you said, Watiko is, is, is the disease, but the, um, But the treatment at the same time, or or it's you know, it helps us to awaken at the same time. Yeah, so, yeah. what is evil in light of 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 Wittiko and in light of Jung in psychology? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the thing just to create context for it. So, how I first came to this work was like I had suggested. I had a direct encounter with evil, mm -hmm. and it wasn't just personal evil, but it was archetypal evil. 
And, um, you know, that's the, the force that it changed the whole trajectory of my life. So I just want to say that because I'm not talking as like an intellectual or a scholar or, you know, a philosopher. No, I'm talking out of my own direct experience. And um, so it's really helpful to understand. Um, you see, there are people who, oh, I don't want to think about evil. That's feeding it. That's empowering it. I just want to think good thoughts and identify with the light. And I point out, well, but by by doing that, you're unwittingly feeding the very evil that you're avoiding. Because the thing about the Watiko um, psychosis, because it's a collective psychosis, is that it feeds off of us not looking at mm -hmm. something. So the thing about evil, it's really, it's, it's, it's not a simple, um, you know, thing to contemplate because if we, if we too directly, you know, um, look at it, like the, the myths say, we turn to stone, we become petrified and then we become rigidified and traumatized and then we're no good. So we have to see it in a certain way. But here's the thing. So if we, if we avoid evil, um, like I'm saying, that's, you know, and a lot of new age spiritual people, even good people, well-intentioned, oh, I don't want to put my attention there, you know, and then they're unwittingly feeding it. You see, it's important. Jung talks about how profound, profoundly important it is to have an imagination for evil. Mm -hmm. We have to cultivate an imagination for evil because if we don't do that, you know, the typical healthy, normal person can't even conceive of what people who right. are taken over by Watiko would actually do to like, you know, get power. And because they don't see that, they're way more potentially open to being being victims of that. So the idea is, is you have to really, um, you know, shed light on the darkness. And the darkness, there's like the personal dimension, the personal shadow, then there's the archetypal dimension. That's the dimension that fairy tales and mythology talk about. They're really pointing at, you know, this archetypal level of evil. But it's very, very tricky because um, it's such a traumatizing experience that it's so easy when we, because I was, I'm still in trauma around, like I said, I had a direct encounter with evil. It's not just like, oh, I went to therapy and I, you know, danced around and did some writing and now I'm all healed. No, it absolutely just, I've been scarred by the experience, mm -hmm. but I was able to not split and not dissociate at least, you know, I mean, at first I did, you, you have to, but then sort of shamanically, I was able to like, to remember and to retrieve all the, you know, or a lot of the lost parts of my soul that had gotten, um, you know, just sort of fragmented because it's such, it's a, it's a, it's a disintegrating energy as compared to integrating. Right. It disintegrates us. Okay. So it's a form of trauma. And, but the point is, is that what I'm really a spokesperson for is that if we don't get just totally destroyed by the experience. And so for me, I was continually cultivating, keeping my heart open and taking notes and drawing maps and cultivating awareness. I was more and more able to see that my encounter with evil, it actually was like teaching me something, that something was being revealed to me that actually helped me as far as my own awakening and my own creative process. And that I think is an important idea 
that there is a way of encountering the dark, whether you know you call it watiko or evil or whatever it is, however you would characterize it, that actually helps us to deepen our compassion, to ignite our creativity, and to actually get a deeper sense of who we are. So, yeah, let me just stop there, but I'm happy, yeah. you know, because it's something, you know, I mean, my friends joke about it, but uh, it's like my favorite topic, cultivating, you know, contemplating evil. It's like, because it's it's such an incredible, you know, if you contemplate in a certain way, it can really activate your awakening. Let's yeah. put it no, 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 that's excellent. Let's that's, that's, that's stay on this topic, because I think it's very important. You said rightly so. There's a lot of pop spiritual new age teachings that tell you just focus on the light, ignore the dark because of yeah, some yeah. sort of the oversimplified application of quantum physics. If you focus on it, you create it right away in, in all these, these distortions, right? Um, but when we keep an eye from it, and that's, I think these only a lot of these teachings, as you mentioned, even stuff haven't been taken out of the Bible, haven't been distorted on purpose to let evil go. It's right. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's, yeah, we yeah. have to understand that as well, but it's really fascinating this day and age because what's happening. And you, you wrote this before that, you know, with people who are under the thrall of Wetiko, you cannot reason with people, you know, that's why we can even yeah. this day and age, so many people, Uh, you know, uh, almost like um, frustrated. I see my friends and others, you know, why people cannot see the, 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 the deception and all of that, because you cannot reach people by information and facts alone. It's not right. possible. It's, you cannot yeah. reason if somebody's taken over by Wetiko, right? And like, you're right. First of all, the entry point is not only blind spots, but there, you know, traumas, wounds, conditioning, all of that. That's yeah, where yeah. The, the, these forces, this Wetiko tags into and then takes over, right? But, you know, the, the question is, why do people keep a blind eye on evil? So one, on one hand, it's because they deny evil because of the new age pop spiritual teachings. And other, like you just said, they cannot even conceive of it. They cannot recognize it. Would you fair to say that it's only possible to truly see evil in the world, what's operating, if you're more in touch with your own inner darkness, if you contemplate yeah. your evil, your that, own potential for evil, basically, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's key. What you just said is really key. Um, to the extent that any of us is really doing our work and really in touch, with our potentiality for evil. And I'm not just talking the personal shadow, but the archetypal shadow and see, oh my God, you know, who hasn't acted out there unconscious? We all have, yeah. you know? So, but the idea being that to see that, that potentiality for evil in us, um, that when we really get that and own that to whatever degree we, we do, That empowers us to be able to see the evil in the world. And um, you see, one thing I want to go back to, though, one of why it's so hard for people to see evil is that, you know, for example, um, to the extent that we've bought into the system, we're all in a, in a complicit, we're complicit mm -hmm. with the evil that's playing out. We're in a family system. If there's somebody <laughs> who's playing the role of the abuser. Right. And, you know, and I'm not conflating them as being evil. They're just, it's a role, but it's an energy that's coming through them. They're the, they're the instrument to have that evil energy come into the field. And typically the family, you know, configures to protect the abuser, to turn the blind eye towards the abuse and all that. And, and then when the person who's seeing it, and I'm talking, you know, I was this person in my family. So I'm talking from my own experience. When the person is trying to shed light on the evil, Typically, the whole family system 
and think of the family system as, you know, our species, they protect the abuser because Mm -hmm. it's traumatizing to see the evil because then you have to realize, oh, I was in collusion with it. Mm -hmm. And that's like such a a traumatizing Mm -hmm. experience that people would rather choose to turn the blind eye and to demonize the whistleblower you know, as compared to dealing with that level of pain that's entailed from the trauma of recognizing, oh, my God, I was in bed with evil. I was unwittingly, right. with the best of intentions, colluding with evil. Right. That makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> it's, it's the ultimate cognitive dissonance, basically, you know, protecting yeah. themselves from the ultimate disillusionment and facing the lies they've been feeding and believing, you know what yeah. I mean? Or even the unconscious guilt that may come up. Oh, my God, what have I done? I've been complicit all along. Exactly, exactly. It's all of those things. It's the unconscious guilt. It's the trauma. It's like facing the lies that we've believed and that we've been like, you know, perpetrating on people. Yeah. yeah. It's fascinating because it's so fascinating to watch that people go along, and you wrote this implicit, uh, explicitly in your first book on Batika as well, that people go along with an agenda that is ultimately from an objective, reasonable perspective against their best interest. You know, the ultimate right. Stockholm syndrome. That's really how Batika works, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, people under, um, I mean, it's so trippy. People under the spell of Batika, they will... So on the one hand, one characteristic, they'll accuse people of doing the very thing that they're unconsciously doing. So that's one of the features. One other feature is that, yeah, you act out in a way that's against your that's against your best interest. And that's where like the thing about Watiko, it's it underlies like um, when people have an addiction or, you know, trauma, because think about addiction. You like have an awareness before you act out. Oh, this, you know, this is, I'm going to be sorry when I do this, but then you do it for the immediate rush or whatever Mm -hmm. reason. And then afterwards, it's like, wow, I feel all, you know, screwed up and unhappy and all that. And there's no one else who did that. You did that to yourself. So it's as if your own creative energy, instead of creating something constructive that's in service to you, it's actually getting turned against yourself Mm -hmm. in a way that's killing you. And that's getting played out writ large, on the world stage, because our species, we're enacting collective suicide. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. the the Watiko epidemic is a collective psychosis. We are killing ourselves. And I, it blows me away that it's not just on the headlines of every you know yeah. paper every day, you know, pointing at, well, how come we're doing that? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's the fast. I mean, that's it's becoming more and more obvious in the sense, you know. And I see right now, as we we touch upon in the beginning, there are more and more people falling into the psychosis, becoming agents of Wetiko, right? Being hijacked, and you said it beautifully. It's, yeah. it's in we see it in all the esoteric occult traditions as well. These occult forces, these iconic forces, Wetiko, whatever you may want to call it, yeah. they don't have any creativity themselves. They need to hijack our own creative potential. And you yeah. mentioned made a really important point there. We become they become possessed as vessel for this Wetiko virus and use our creativity against us. That's literally what's happening, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. In, in the only way we need to regain our creativity, which means to connect to our true self, who we truly are, God given spirit, right? Yeah, which right. is behind all the armor of our trauma, our wounds, our shadow aspect, and all of that, because that's where we Tico tags into. Like my wife and I, we call her right now what's been happening in, in the world, like a trauma installment program, right? Yeah. Of the yeah, so called matrix, totally. right? Because the matrix operates on the fear frequency, it's always this projected fear, fear fear, 
which open, you know, gives uh, these open gates for Wetiko to come in and take people over into this mass psychosis. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could I just say one? Because yeah. what what we're talking about is so this is so important. So one way to express what what you just said, Bernhard, is that we are the these creative beings. We have this immense creative agency and power. But to the extent that we're asleep or under the spell of Wutiko, we don't know that. And here's an example. So say if you're at night, you're having, you're sleeping in, 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 this, in, this, in this dream, you're having a dream, and whatever point of view you're holding in the dream is instantaneously, the, you know, the actual, the experience of the dream is just instantaneously reflecting whatever perspective you're holding because the dream is nothing other than your own mind. Right. So say you're holding a viewpoint, whatever the viewpoint is, and um, then the dream, you know, will supply all the evidence confirming your viewpoint. Mm -hmm. So then you have all the evidence that you need. Oh, well, my viewpoint is correct because, mm -hmm. you know, I have all the proof I need. So then you become even more entrenched in that viewpoint. And the more entrenched you become, the more the dream will just offer you even more evidence confirming the objective truth of your viewpoint ad infinitum. It's a feedback loop. You know, that that self-perpetuates where you will literally hypnotize yourselves thinking that your perception of what you're seeing in that dream objectively exists and is actually that you're seeing what's accurately there. Yeah. But the point is, your creative power, that's the, the, the source of the dream, that's the dreamer of the dream, is actually turning against itself in a way that you're hypnotizing yourself via your own creative power. And that, in essence, is one way of describing the Watika virus, is that it somehow plugs into our, the, the, the incredible power we have to create our experience moment by moment. Mm -hmm. But it, it somehow, to the extent we're not, you know, kind of... Um, in a way connected, you know, consciously connected with that creative agency, it gets turned against us in a way that's killing us. But here's the thing, the Watiko, I don't want people hearing this to feel, to get afraid going, oh, Watiko sounds really scary and it's, you know, going to kill us or whatever, because Watiko doesn't even exist. There's no such thing as Watiko. It has no independent existence at all because it's not separate from our own consciousness. Right. Okay. It like, like this, like this, it, it just has... It can't, it just doesn't exist intrinsically, independently, and yet it can kill us. You see, that's the paradox, because that's pointing at that we have this incredible, you see, the source of, um, you know, all of the crises, every single one, the very root source of the solution for the solution and for the problem, but for the solution is for us to tap into our creative agency. And to the extent we're not doing that, and it's just like a dream. If you're not connected with your creative power in a dream, well, what are you going to, you're going to dream up dreams where like the powers that be the state are going to pick up and, and take over your creative power and turn it against you. Yeah. That's what's happening in the waking dream. And that's reflecting back to us. Yeah, we, you know, to the extent that any of us, and particularly when, when, we, when a one person connects with their creative agency and connects with other people, who are also in connection with their creative power and they connect with other people, that's where we can get in, in sync and in phase with each other 
in a way where we can really, you know, that's when, when all bets are off. That's when we can change the dream, yeah. the waking dream. Yeah. You know? And that's, that's the cure, that's the cure right there because it's very tricky in this day and age. And I'm also navigating. Sometimes I can fall into my own, like, you know, externalizing everything and we need to kill all the psychopaths god damn it what's you know yeah, what i mean can. like this you Me know too. just totally. it's like i feel my wife she made a meme like at one point it's like you know being upset and let's let's you know start a revolution and get rid of all the you know the elite and whatnot and then the other side of me everything is happening as it's supposed to be in the light of the evolution of consciousness we all want right which is true from the higher perspective but the key point is you know What's interesting, we also this this program of the victim blame is happening. You know, we also uh, being disempowered and putting into this victim stance that something or somebody's doing something to us, right? Mm -hmm. That in itself is very disempowering because, as you mm -hmm. said mm -hmm. rightly, so we need to step up to um, be creative, to build something new, to have a new vision, to create something new. So it's kind of like two ways. So at some point, we we don't want to ignore evil we need to become aware of it face right. it you know right. but similar like Sri Aurobindo said become aware of the occult forces but don't dwell of them. don't give it too much importance exactly. know their modus operandi their game yeah. right. to use it for your uh, for your own spiritual development to make the darkness conscious within yourself but don't dwell on it and I see too many people like I think that's what's happening um, a lot I see in people especially just waking up and are not engaged in any sincere inner work they've easily fall into and that's we take working itself they focus on evil but then they get lost on it they feel fall into doom and gloom and hopelessness yeah. and yeah. like oh my god and project all these worst case doom and gloom scenarios into the that's future right. yeah. which is only works for Wetiko, right yeah 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 then they're they're a minion for Wetiko if they fall into that pessimistic point of view or the despair or the depression because you know they they're not realizing their own incredible power yeah. you know so if they're holding a pessimistic point of view you know, by being a dream, you know, this being the dream, you know, you know, the universe is going to offer them all the evidence to confirm their pessimism, which makes them even more fixed in their pessimism. There's that feedback loop where then they will create the very, the very world, which, you know, which confirms the, the objective truth of their pessimism. And, you know, another way of saying that is, yeah, they've unwittingly become an instrument for Watiko, you know, yeah. and what you're saying, I just want to, you know, it's so important that, yeah, we don't want to become overly sort of like you know spending too much time contemplating evil or fascinated by it not at all because that's actually to be feeding it you know um or to be like reacting against it thinking we're fighting it in a certain way because it feeds off of polarization right um but when we actually see its game like you were saying and see how it works and then we realize as sovereign beings we get to choose how we place our attention and we can actually then invest our attention in creating the world we want to live in that perspective that kill that that vaporizes what you call yeah and i think that's what's happening in the world right now the silver lining because i see some sort of splitting happening even in a natural way there's much to be said about what i call level of being and soul individualization and where everybody is at in their spiritual quote evolution you know because with seven eight billion people on the planet yes we are one but we're not all the same so everybody has you can bring karma into it and all of that who knows about deeper soul lessons right but what i've seen the silver lining a lot of people started to question in you know their lives maybe like like going back to Betiko being um, um, 
being the disease but the cure at the same time you know it has broken down a lot of people people lost their businesses and whatnot but at the same time has helped many time many people even though they lost things help to actualize themselves and you know like in the sense of like right. now i'm like okay now i'm questioning my life now i'm taking my life into my own self-responsibility go on a new path and really you know become decentralized more create community you know like yeah. create a new system so i think that's really the silver lining in the sense yeah 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 well that no that's exactly right because one way you see there are all these ways of describing watiko and one way is that it's it's a misidentification of who we think we are if we're identified with a separate self you know then we're under and so many people are and then we're reinforcing it on each other um that's to be under the thrall of watiko so what you're pointing out is with the pandemic, the silver lining is that, yeah, there are more and more people who are having the recognition that we don't actually exist as a separate self, but we're actually interconnected, interdependent with each other. And, and that's to potentially have this expansion of identity to actually see, oh, wow, who I am is not just this, this limited ego, but actually is way you know bigger. Yeah. And I um, mean, not separate from other people. And then the expression, the energetic expression of that realization is compassion, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, there's a lot of gifts and all of that was potentially because of Watiko, yeah. you know? So that's what I'm pointing at when I say that like encoded in the disease, and it's, it's an archetypal idea that encoded in the poison is the medicine. Right. And, you know, like, for example, if, if, if Watiko didn't exist, we'd have to invent it. It's necessary. It's helping us. It's catalyzing the evolution of our species. Yeah. But if we don't have the recognition of what it's actually, you know, um, revealing to us, it will kill us. Yeah. Okay. So that's the thing. It's like, it, it's really forcing us to, to have a recognition of something in ourselves. Yes. So the thing about Watiko, think about it like a dream. It's this dreamed up phenomena. We collectively have dreamed up the Watiko psychic epidemic that's playing out and forming all of the insanity that's playing out in the world, but it's actually revealing something to us. Yeah. And that's my whole work right there. And as, as you know, um, people more and more have the recognition of the revelatory aspect that it's a revelation. Watiko is a complete, it's a sacred revelation but in the form that it's totally not, you know, that's the trip. Yeah. And so that's my whole work is trying to really introduce people to that. Exactly. And it reminds me just of what you just said. It reminds me, I think you mentioned it maybe even in the book, because you have a whole section in your new book on Sri Aurobindo and the hostile forces. And yeah. the mother, his partner said something about the cause hostile forces. They had their right full existence. You know, they have the right to exist in light of the evolution of consciousness and uh, they have the right, you know, you, you know, they only can get to you again where you give entry points. So there's the teaching function, right? They test, she even said, she, they test the sincerity of, of your, they test your sincerity, basically. That's what it comes down to. And not to, right. No, that's exactly right. And not, not just your sincerity, but also that you, you, um, you know, we have this, this endowment, this divine endowment. And yeah. they want to make sure that we make the best use of it, that, exactly. you know, and um yeah and the thing about watiko unlike you know like like say the coronavirus and will develop you know whatever you know some sort of medicine or vaccine and it might mutate well the watiko virus it forces us to mutate mm -hmm. in other words that's what i mean that it's catalyzing our evolution mm -hmm. you know 
So on, on that note, because you have a, like in this book, in your new book coming up, um, I read th halfway through it, uh, but there's a, at the end a section on the coronavirus and the Wetiko virus. So kind of oh, like, yeah. I'm really uh, interested in your perception on it, because you mentioned like that COVID-19 is basically a symbol of a much deeper infection, which I definitely agree with. So what, how can we look yeah. at this whole pandemic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, and that, that is such a trip because the fact that this virus idea has come so into consciousness in the last year. Yeah. And so what I'm pointing at is that um, the coronavirus is like, think of it like this um, lower level emanation of the higher dimensional, what he called mind virus. Mm -hmm. And like um, one way to understand it, you know, the coronavirus is not just physical. It's not just like a biological entity. You know, um, it has all these dimensions to it. Because think about it. It comes into our world. You know, and who knows, we're not even going to get into whether it was created in a lab or whatever. It doesn't make a difference from one point of view, from what I'm pointing at. But it actually affects, it affects, it, it shuts down economies, it, it, you know, it changes people's behavior. Oh, we wear masks, we socially distance, you know, people start dreaming about it, people get depressed, people are afraid. That's all of the subtle body of the coronavirus. That's mm -hmm. not separate from the coronavirus. The coronavirus is not just physical. It has these multiple channels of operations in our minds. It affects our behavior. It affects our, our government, our political system. It affects everything. You know, it affects what we do day to day in our lives over the last however many, you know, like, you know, over a year. And the point is, is that when you have that realization, you discover that all of those changes in behavior whether it's, you know, it, with new laws or, you know, oh, we can't um, congregate in large or we have to wear a certain thing or not wear a certain thing or get a vaccine or not get a vaccine. All of that goes through the psyche. In other words, the psyche is at the root of how this coronavirus, which is not just physical, but has multiple, you know, channels of operation, how it actually impacts on us and on the world is you know, getting channeled and expressed through the human psyche. The human psyche is the arena of Watiko. Mm -hmm. And so the point is, is that, you see, one of the things that I mentioned earlier in our talk today was that um, the Watiko virus, that it's actually show, or, or like one way, I think what I said is a way of seeing the Watiko virus is to recognize the dreamlike nature. Well, the thing about it is that the Watiko like psychosis is actually showing us the dreamlike nature like people over the pandemic have been walking around going oh it's surreal this is so surreal yeah it's easier to recognize the dreamlike nature that's one of the gifts of mm -hmm. the coronavirus you know and so the point is is that when you actually see the dreamlike nature you see this universe is quantum in nature and in the quantum universe there's no separate parts there's not separate parts interacting no it's all one And so what I'm pointing at is that into the dream, into the waking dream comes the coronavirus. And think about all the effects, like I've been describing, all of those are not separate, you know? And what you begin to understand when you recognize this as a quantum world, and this is like very, you know, like, like a dream, is that there's no difference between the physical reality and our consciousness. That's what quantum physics has discovered. I, I wrote a book about quantum physics where I'm basically saying, It's empirically showing us. It's proven that we're having a collective dream. And in a dream, there's no like physical reality separate from mind. 
No, they're indistinguishable, you know? Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, we're actually beginning to go down this rabbit hole <laughs> where he, it's what I mean when I say Watiko is a psychedelic, because when you begin to actually see Watiko in a certain way and what it's actually telling us, all of a sudden it's like th then the psychedelic takes effect and you have an incredible expansion of consciousness mm -hmm. and it unlocks this incredible creative energy. Yeah. That's our nature. Yeah. No, that's 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 amazing. So that really reminds me bring going back to the to the coronavirus COVID nineteen. And there's many things, like you said, who knows? It's a bioweapon now, is it real natural? There's even talk about questioning germ um theory versus uh right. theory. It's actually a real virus to begin with. We can go back to questioning all of modern medicine. But the key point, what do you bring it to the next level to not just look at it materially, but from a quantum metaphysical multidimensional level? Because yeah, yeah. regardless of what the truth on a material level is, a virus, yes or no, bioweapon, yes or no, this idea has been implanted into us, right? Okay. By the powers that be, you know, and fear frequency and propaganda. So a lot of it, I feel even there may be a, a quote unquote, you know, who knows about the statistics and the PCR tests and there's a lot of things to be questioned and all of a sudden the flu is not here anymore but you know yeah. i've made that case even a year ago when i wrote an article also quoting shirobindo and others from the metaphysical aspect the forces of illness that we create the illness we feed it through this you know dreamlike nature right of you know we can literally create disease in that sense of believing in it of giving it more power of feeding yeah. it to the fear frequency right Yeah, yeah, well, that's exactly it. I mean, you know, if we if we're afraid, because Watiko feeds off of fear. Yeah. And if we're afraid of Watiko, you know, then we're investing it with power over us. Yeah. You know, so yeah, all of this, you see, what's playing out, because in my work I continually point at to contemplate this as a dream and then to interpret it from from the symbolic, you know, point of view, because you know, the symbols are the language of dreaming. Yeah. And, um, you know, all of what's playing out is actually completely 100% reflecting back to us our incredible creative power that, you know, if we're identified, like I was saying before, with a separate self or out of fear, or we become entranced by this as objective and we're just passive observers who are helpless and just, you know, we're just like the witnesses as compared to active participants who are creating it, whatever the, the point of view we have about the nature of the world and our place in it and who we are, that instantaneously gets reflected back by the power of our dreaming. Mm -hmm. And that's what we don't, that's what we're unconscious of. And that's what I'm pointing out. That's what the coronavirus, that's what all the, the fascist forces, the, the, you know, the powers that be, the you know, um, or when you actually have the realization, that's what all of them, when you interpret it like a dream, you see, oh, that's what they're reflecting. They're all expressions and reflecting back to us our unconscious divine yeah. creative power. Yeah. And to the extent we don't know it, we're going to dream up a world like we're in. Exactly. But then just like a recurring dream, if we don't get the message, then the recurring dream happens in more and more amplified form and more and more of a nightmare until yeah. we actually awaken and get what the message is. That's the nature of our situation right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That reminds me also of another great analogy you made in, in the new book, uh, uh, the vampire analogy to Wetiko. And I want to just uh, quote, oh, another, yeah. quote another expert from your upcoming book. Um, we become susceptible to falling under the spell of a vamp vampire when we turn a blind, blind eye towards our own darkness, 
which renders our shadow invisible to us. We can recognize a vampire if we haven't shed light on our own darkness. Our unilluminated darkness means there's part of us that lives in darkness just like the vampire. The part of us that's just like the vampire can't see its own reflection, just like a vampire casts no reflection in the mirror, which is why we aren't able to more easily recognize the vampiric aspect of Wetiko. The specter of our own shadow gets in the way of our ability to see Wetiko in addition to obscuring our light. So we, like you mentioned, we get caught up in almost like a time loop, so to speak, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And the, the vampire thing, I mean, I know that one really well because when I said, you know, earlier today I had a direct encounter with archetypal evil, I mean, it was like a vampiric figure, you know, that, that destroyed my family, that almost killed me, but it actually was my, you know, like this initiation. Um, But the thing about a vampire, when you think about it, it it has no independent existence. It can't. It has. It doesn't have life on its own side. It needs to feed off of like this living creature, right. you know. So in a way, it's like death taking on life, and it appears as if it's alive. But but the point is, is that that's a description of Wotiko, that you know, it's like a parasite. And um, if you think about it, like a parasite gets in us or like a tapeworm would be in a, another example. The tapeworm secretes chemicals in our, in our brain that we start, um, oh, I, I want to eat this food, you know, oh, and, and we start actually feeding the tapeworm and it grows bigger. And all the while we think we're feeding our own appetite, but we're actually feeding this mm -hmm. entity that's in us and it grows bigger and bigger until it kills us. But it what what it, you know um what it, like um does not want to do is kill us too soon right. because then it would suffer the inconvenience of having to find a new host yeah. so what i'm describing whether it's in the tapeworm a parasite a mind virus or the vampire all of those are pointing at i mean all mythologies and fairy tales when you know they they are pointing at this sort of like dynamic you know that's what tico and um Yeah. And so then, um, you know, the question of how do you, you know, how do you really kill that vampire or free yourself from that energy, you know, and in a way that that's what, you know, and it has to do with you stop feeding it and you start feeding yourself, right. you know, and then it has no food. Yeah. And then it you starve it. Exactly. You know, it's yeah. very interesting what you mentioned. I want to go deeper into that in the second hour. You know, you had, you know, with the food analogy, you think these are your desires, your wants, your needs, right? But it's right. infused right. by the parasite. Similar nowadays, there are certain ideologies and beliefs and ideas people are infected with and become very self-righteous about. And they think this is the right thing. This is my own thing. But they have been inserted externally by this A psychosis with Tico mind virus, right? right. And then right. they be become the servants for that. That's exactly right. I mean, I see that, you know, I'm sure we both see that. It's, it's so, I mean, it's all over the place. People, you know, there'll be an idea, there'll be a particular point of view and they'll just attach to it or it'll attach to them and then they'll become identified with it. Yeah. And then they'll have this, this, this righteous point of view that they're in possession of the truth. And um, without ha having any awareness that they are just um, an instrument for maybe something, some other energy that's not them. And they're just being, you know, it's like a puppet on a string. They're yeah. just being controlled and manipulated in that way. And you see, it's because of that. I mean, you know, to reflect back to them, their state, the nature of what they've fallen mm -hmm. into. 
that's where there's such an edge because if they had the courage to, to see the the depth of darkness that they had unwittingly fallen into with the best of intentions thinking they're helping people it would be so traumatizing for them that's yeah. the trauma that i was talking about that there's a counter incentive that's built into that process where they'd rather not self-reflectively become aware of that but yet they just double down and that's what we see and when when people like that and particularly when they connect with each other then there's the collective psychosis because they create like this this impenetrable like sort of like energy field around them it's like a group any, entity literally like, like what like a group entity like a with yeah, tentacles, yeah yeah it's like know? a group entity right and yeah. any reflection of their insanity or their unconsciousness gets repelled or gets turned to confirm their viewpoint in a perverse way so yeah. there's no getting in with evidence or facts or anything like that and and that's what i'm describing that's a collective psychosis Yeah. And that's a way of describing like what's happening to our species. You know, the collective psychosis by this these where deconfected groups and whatnot is almost is you can link it to narcissistic abuse or gaslighting and all of that, right? Because you're being yeah, yeah. felt mad that something is wrong with you, right? And and put the doubt uh, back to yourself. But you know, at the end of the first hour, so before we close off, I'd like to maybe also for our listeners who maybe the struggling with what's happening in the world right now and and in light of the Vitico topic and we understand the premise is really like also recognizing the dreamlike nature of our reality to understand you know that we all, everything is interrelated and number two that the darkness outside is a reflection of our own unrecognized darkness within that's where Jungian psychology comes in basic shadow work and all of that but I also I know you work with a lot of people one-on-one -on -one and, and whatnot mm -hmm. so what do you have any like just especially this day and age when right now, some practical advice for listeners, you know, how, yeah, yeah, how yeah. to deal with Vertigo and the darkness in the world and within their own psyche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a, I appreciate that. And um, what comes up in the moment when you asked me that was um, to connect with, with our um, creative spirit. Mm -hmm. To the extent, you see, the thing about Vertigo, it actually, um, you know, tries to kill our creative impulse Um you know but you see the thing about what it 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 when you're in a field where what is really palpable all of a sudden you realize oh i can't really it's not safe for me to speak i have to i have to self-censor there's like mm -hmm. censorship in the field and oh I, i i don't feel you know safe to just fully express myself so then i have to edit well all of that that's feeding what the point is is that um, Watiko tries to shut down our self-expression, but it mm. also spurs it. It also potentially ignites it. So if we're able to take in, you know, because we're all like these healers in, in training, like shamans in training, if we're able to take in um, the incredible, like, you know, the shadow that's in the field, and yeah, it's non-local. We see it out there, it's reflecting something in us, but when we see it out there, it's going to trigger something in us. And then what do we do with, you know, being affected in that way by being triggered? Do we dissociate? Do we identify with it? Do we shut down? Do we compartmentalize it? Or are we able to carry that trigger in a way where we actually get creative? Mm. You know, and that's being an alchemist. That's being a shaman because a shaman is an artist. And, um, and that's the way of you know the best way what i get to basically everybody i work to we work with i try to really get to that place to see what story have they internalized that's stopping them from expressing themselves creatively 
Because I know for me, if I didn't connect, you know, after I had my direct close encounter with Watiko, and it so unbelievably traumatized me, and I mean, I was in real trouble, and but I'm thankful that I was able to carry it in a way where it helped me discover my work and it connected me with, you know, my nature as a creative being. And that's all of our nature. So the thing is, you know, when we actually really connect with being creative, which is our nature, then Watiko has no power over us. Yeah. Taking, you know, taking the power back over our own, over our own creativity. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. And it's fascinating what you just said. It just reminded me when you said self-censorship, because so true. I see so many people also, the people I work with, or Laura and I in our online courses and whatnot, um, you know, are afraid of speaking out. They have this fear of like attack of others, the mob and being put down. And almost like the, the way you describe with the dreamlike nature, which we see big tech censorship and more censorship, thought control. It's almost a reflection of our own unconscious fear to speak up in a yeah. weird sense, the self-censorship, right. Right? right? Exactly. And then when it shows up, when we, we live in a world where there's all this censorship and if you actually, if you step out of the narrative, that's being you know presented by the mainstream you get you know you just get like you know attack pieces coming at you what happens we internalize that control system in our mind so it's not just something happening oh in our society but then unconsciously to the extent that we internalize that in our mind we then preemptively shut our own self-expression down exactly. before we even say anything and then it gets it gets rendered unconscious yeah. and then it becomes chronic and then we don't even know we're doing it And that's when then we've been vanquished. Then Watiko is, has a field day. Exactly. And then the shadow grows deeper, you know, the unconscious. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Amazing, Paul. Wow. So let's dive deeper into the second hour um, after the break. And uh, But before we close off here again, where can people reach you? Your website, awakening awakeninthedream.com, correct? Right, right. Uh, 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 awakeninthedream.com and there's just a, a ton of articles all for free a lot of interviews you know all for free you know you, you can if you want to talk to me personally you can book a session or buy my books but it's not it's not monetized at all it's just mm -hmm. like i just want to get this information out because it's yeah. so helpful and um, and plus if you go to the website you can email me and and then um that'll be a way if you want to contact me you know Maybe. for sure Yeah, and your book, yeah, the the follow up, the Wetiko Healing the Mind Virus that Plagues Our World is coming up the, this fall. You say? Yeah, it'll be out this fall, and um, yeah, I just handed in the final edit, so that's the last thing I have to do before I see the book. Yeah, and and the thing which is crazy is that I mean it's the it's the time. Like when I first yeah, wrote this spelling Wetiko, yeah. you know, I I knew I was plugging into something. But, um, you know, it took it took the world a couple of years to catch up. And it's funny because now every check I get, it's it's going up, up and up. And it's been out eight and a half years, you know, and typically a book after eight and a half years stops selling. And yeah. so what I'm saying is that it's the it's the time to understand this, yeah. that this is the very it's the topic of topics. That's what yeah. Castaneda, Don Juan, his teacher, says. And it so maps on and helps to understand You know, not only what's going on in our world, but also our own inner reactions, because it's non-local, Watiko. It's not just talking about something out there or in there. It's talking about the interface between the two. Exactly. Yeah, I can, as I said, I don't say that lightly, but it's been steadily in my top five Uh, most recommended books, uh, Dispelling Wetiko, Breaking the Curse of Evil. And it's a very important topic. The, you know, so anybody who has not heard of it yet, not read it, please 
look into Paul's work, get his book, get his upcoming book. And um, we'll see you shortly in the second hour. Uh, it's available for members. If you're not a member yet, you can sign up at veilofreality.com. Also, a little reminder, we have our next Embodied Soul Awakening course coming up in August, and you can apply for that as well. It's only limited to 25 people where we go deeper into this kind of work, interpersonal work, to really you know, help heal the world and ourselves and step more into our creative potential. That's, I think, the big giveaway, you know, to really like bring back our own creativity. Thank you so much, Paul. Totally. Yeah, thank you. Really. And we'll be right back. Okay. Okay.